0: Acts chapter 2. Thank you, sir. Thank you. So we started this series last week called Revival Family, and um, I felt like it started It started when Tatum and Tim, um, uh, I guess when the Lord began to speak, Tatum and Tim posted on Facebook, they posted, or they, they posted their for sale sign of their house, which we're still believing and contending the Lord's going to sell it because he gave you a promise. And we've had like six people sell their homes here the last little bit. So the Lord's going to sell your home, okay? So they posted their home for sale. And I said, and I can't remember what I did or what I said, but I know I hashtagged it Revival Family. That's just what the Lord's doing. And it was like as soon as I hit enter, the Lord spoke and said, this is really what I'm doing amongst your people. And I say my people. It's, it's, we're his people, but you understand what I'm saying. And so he began to speak about this. And I felt like the Lord said, start giving language to what I'm doing. Because what God is doing is unique here. And what God is doing is good here. And what God is doing here, we want to steward it for increase. Like, we, like, like, like if we just stopped right now, okay, and just said, we're done, we're closing up shop. I, I I'm, Granted, some great things have happened. We've had people get saved, healed, delivered. have had people get baptized. We've had all these wonderful things. But at almost to a large degree, I think it'd be a failure. Why? Because we failed to pass it on to the next generation. Okay. And that's what revival families do is, is, is we are, oh man, we believe Jesus may come back tomorrow, but we're going to pray and plan and believe that it may be 400 years from now as well. So that our kids and grandkids and great grandkids and great, great grandkids actually have something uh, uh, handed to them that's in really good shape that they can take and run with, okay? Like, that's the whole point of the kingdom. It's it's not just what God's doing right now, which it is, it's generational legacy, right? Like, like I, I, I weep every time I start to think, like, this right here is something that maybe, like, I've pastored three, four, you count Presswood, three, four other churches, and the oldest one I pastored was a hundred year old church. And at some point in time, someone said, I believe there needs to be a church here. And they were long dead and gone by the time I walked onto the scene. And so we're doing something right now that if we do this under the Lord's guidance and direction, it's going to not just be somewhere where people can gather and meet. It can be a place that actually changes our city and society in general. So so as we're given language to this, I want you to look at Acts 2.42. And this is kind of the jumping off point for where we're headed this morning. It says, They were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Everyone kept feeling a sense of awe, and many wonders and signs were taking place through the apostles. And all those who believed were together and had all things in common, and began selling their property and possessions and sharing them with all as anyone may have need. Day by day, continuing with one mind in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they were taking their meals together with gladness and sincerity of heart, praising God and having favor with all people. And the Lord was adding to their number day by day of those who were being saved. Like, what does revival look like? It looks like this. It's not just a bunch of good services, okay? It's actually doing life together. It's it's like it's like thinking like I could not live my life now without Logan Wells in my life, right? I couldn't live my life now without the Chulicks or or or, or anyone else in my life. I couldn't live my life without the Redicks in my life. I couldn't live my life without the Watsons in my life, and and so on and so forth. You understand what I'm saying? It's 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 becoming actual family, not pretentious family, but actual family. Let's look at this verse 42. It says, and we're gonna this first part's review because I like review. And then we're going to get into something a little bit new from last week. It says they were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship and the breaking of bread and to prayer. Okay. Continually meant that they persisted <laughs> in devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching. It means that they kept on with devotion. And, and when it says it means that they kept on with devotion, it doesn't mean they did it begrudgingly. So they're like, ah, oh, I have to go to hear them worship and sing songs and him talk for 40 minutes or whatever. It's like, oh, I don't want to do that. But it's Sunday, so I have to do it. No, it's like, I can't wait. I cannot wait. get into this space because it's not about the preaching. It's not about the worship. It's about gathering around one person, which is the person of Jesus. It's about getting around him. And maybe just maybe what happened in my life this past week, as I was alone in a secret place with the Lord, maybe the fire that he increased in my belly, maybe it'll actually burn so bright that when I get next to someone else, that their fire will begin to burn brighter as well. See, that's what this whole thing is about, man. It's not about just saying, I went to church. It's about living our lives day by day by day in the presence of the Lord. Continually devoting. Good grief, I love that. Teaching. (laughs) Devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching, which is instruction, which is doctrine. By the way, when we sing, we're not just singing songs. We're actually singing things that we believe. (laughs) Because... may just talk you guys into believing this stuff. He's the God of miracles. <laughs> not 2,000 years ago, but right now he's the God of miracles. It actually means that they were content with what was taught too. <laughs> that's hard, by the way. What's it mean? It means that they said, I may, not, I may not fully get everything that's being taught to me, and I may not even fully agree with everything that's taught to me. But I'm still gonna submit myself to that teaching. I used to be scared that say stuff like that because it's like, oh, they're thinking I'm saying do and no, I'm not saying that. And I'm just telling you what the word says. To fellowship. So that to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, which means close mutual association and it means participation with one another. <laughs> so what's fellowship? It means you live life together. It, it, means that, it means that if this is the only time we're in communication with each other, that something is seriously wrong. Right. Come on. Amen. The pastor didn't call me this week. I'm sorry. There's getting more and more of us. That's getting more and more difficult. <laughs> but you all can be calling each other. <laughs> and, and, and if this thing crumbles because I'm sick or I'm out or if I'm gone, then I have failed as a leader. Because you all, I sh- like your fire shouldn't be dependent on how I'm burning. It should be dependent on getting with each other. All right. <laughs> to breaking of bread, which is sharing a meal together or communion, right? I, I mean, it could be communion or sharing a meal together. And to prayer. Prayer is an amazing word. It means it indicates dependence upon God. Like if the Lord doesn't show up, we're toast, right? (laughs) Yes, we are. I am. I can assure you that. (laughs) It means, and, and when they say that they devoted themselves to prayer, it means hope in the future. So when I pray... I'm going to apologize beforehand and then just going to say it. So if I pray and I say, God, it's so terrible. I have no hope. Everything is lost. Would you just hurry and come back because I can't stand the way that things are. And, and, and would you just rescue me from this planet? You realize how hopeless that statement is. And I, I actually don't think the Lord honors that prayer. You know what I think the Lord honors is? is I have utmost belief in God and that when I pray and because it means dependence upon the Lord, it's God, things are... It's like everything just went to hell in a handbasket, but you're good. And I, we just read in Isaiah 35 that, that rivers spring forth from the desert like there wasn't a river there, but there can be a river there. And so I'm asking you to move in my situation. Not only am I asking you to move, but I believe that you want to right here and right now, God. I thank you, God, that my kids are coming to faith in Jesus. I thank you, God, that you're going to send the breakthrough. I thank you that you're going to answer these prayers, oh God. I thank you, God, that you honor your word. At it says that you you wait to fulfill your word is what jeremiah says which means that you wait with the anticipation for your word to be released by spirit-filled believers and see there's a difference right there now it's not name it and claim it prosperity garbage but there is something to be said about actually believing what the word says and holding on to it (laughs) Oh. oh So I asked these questions last week. I said, well, how do we get anyone to continually do anything? Because truthfully, and I'm not pointing anyone out because I do it too a lot, but some of y'all probably since I started, you Charlie, check Facebook at least three times. <laughs> Got quiet. Like, how do we continually do anything today, right? It's just like, well, my feelings have changed, so I'm just going to do something different. So how do they continue to devote themselves to, to prayer, to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship? How do do we get people to listen to teaching? And, uh, and, And again, many struggle with those in authority. It's like, it doesn't matter. And again, I said this last week, like... It doesn't matter if you're right or left. Like when we had a president that was a Democrat in office, every time he said something, all the Republicans disagreed. And now that there's a Republican in office, every time he says something, the Democrats disagree. And it's just like, we just disagree with someone in authority because they're a little bit different than us. How do you get anyone to do that, to, to agree with what's being said or taught? It's hard. It's hard. I'm not going to talk about politics. I'm just using that as an illustration. <laughs> How do we get people to genuinely fellowship? Because we're really, really busy people. Really, really, really busy. I, I, if it wasn't for the calendar in my phone, we'd be lost. <laughs> this is the truth. Or if it wasn't for April saying, put this in your calendar, or Tosh texted me two or three times a week and saying, did you do this, this, and this this week? Tosh helps me out tremendously. But if it wasn't for those two, I would have no clue where I'm supposed to be. I'm just telling you that right now. <laughs> we're busy. And then we're really and like when it comes to fellowship, we're really public because, again, it's a social media driven world right now. Like we post everything. It's like, look at my taco or whatever, you know, <laughs> but then we don't say what's really going on in our life. Like, how do you get really close fellowship? Well, one of those things we've done here is, like, this past Tuesday, we started a corporate prayer meeting. And it's early. It's 6 a.m. And that's hard for people. And some have jobs and kids to shuffle back and forth. I get it. We got really convicted that we didn't feel like we needed to take up another night of the week for you. Why? So that we can actually, hopefully, get you all hanging out with each other in each other's houses throughout the week. And still have that time of corporate prayer if you can come. And I'm not asking, and, and now I said this jokingly, but I'm really, I'm not asking for a 6 a.m. prayer meeting, I'm not asking you to give up time with your kids or your families. I'm asking you to give up an hour of sleep. So, all right. <laughs> and how do we get people to pray like real prayers? Like, I'll be honest, like, I had this mindset for a corporate prayer meeting on Tuesday this past week, and I thought, we're going to call down fire from heaven. That's what I thought. And we come in here, and it was, like, dead silent, holy hush the whole time. But the Lord was here. The Lord was here. And it's like, Jesus, how do we get people to really pray? Like, more than bless this food to the nourishment of my body, right? Or bless this time. Like, that's an important prayer, but, like, how do we get past praying that? Or before I lay myself to sleep, I give the Lord my soul to keep. And if I die before I should wake, I I give the, you know, whatever. I can't remember it, but you understand what I'm saying. Like how, like, how do we pray deeper prayers than that? Well, it's in Acts one fourteen. If you go a little bit before, and I'm going to read here from the Passion Translation. Logan, can you put that up there? Yeah. It'll be there in a second. We're in no hurry. It says, Acts one fourteen. This is when they were in the upper room. Jesus had said, go wait for a little while and I'll send someone. Now, I'm thinking 10 days isn't a little while, right? I think a little while is a little while. But how do they do it? It says, all of them were united in prayer, gripped with one passion, interceding night and day. That phrase, gripped with one passion, I believe, is what the Lord is beginning to do in this church. What is the one passion? It's the presence of the Lord. It's encountering the presence of the Lord. It's getting others to come and encounter the presence of the Lord. And it's going when you live your life because the presence of the Lord is in your life. That someone else is going to encounter the presence of the Lord, whether you're here or not or whatever. That's, this is what it is. It's about being gripped with one passion. Like, there, like you, can ha- you, understand, you can have lots of passions, right? Like you, you have lots of passions. Like I like to write. That's a passion. Or April likes to redo furniture. That's a passion. But it doesn't grip us. What grips us is the need for the manifest presence of the Lord in our day-to-day life. That's what it's all about, folks. And so if I can get gripped by that, then when I get gripped by that, and then if you get gripped by that, guess what happens? Spontaneous combustion is actually what happened in Acts chapter 2. It's like, all you understand when it said that the, the tons of fire landed on each one of them? It actually means each one of them got their own fire, not just a couple of anointed people. All right. So being gripped with one passion is the key to a revival family. It's, it's like the, when people are starting, I, and I'm so humbled by it, it starting to get phone calls and pastors, what are you all doing? How are you getting people to move? And, and what are you all doing? We can see it's growing. And, you know, we went from, it's really neat, because forever it was like you could pick a seat and lay down in a seat, right? Right. <laughs> <laughs> and, now, and now we're having people shuffle seats as people come in. It's just this beautiful, beautiful thing that the Lord's doing. And people say, what, what are you guys doing? What are you doing for this? What are you doing for that? i like, Brian, calling each other, <laughs> hanging out, focusing on the presence of the Lord. Well, I, I understand that, but what like, like, seriously, that's, that's what we're doing. It's like, what do you spend your week in preparation? I was like, well, I open my Bible and I read. And like on Wednesday, I read through the gospel of John. And on Thursday, I felt like I needed to read Habakkuk. So I read that. i like, what about your sermon? I, well, that's, that's what I'm doing. I'm staying in the presence of the Lord. That's it. And, and so it's being gripped with one passion and, and, and I want to be gripped with one passion to such a degree that, again, our kids become gripped with one passion. And not when they're, like, like I don't think my kid has to become a prodigal. I don't think it's become a product. Like, like, what would it look like if we got gripped with one's passion to such a degree that when my kids went off to school, they didn't experiment and did this, that, or the other. But what if they burned bright for Jesus and revival started at their school? Do you understand what I'm saying? Like, like we need to give them permission to do this. It's like, I love, I love, I love when we have the kids with the streamers in here. And, and I, <laughs> I tell Jennifer, <laughs> so she's running the, Michaela's running the aisles this morning. It was Amazing. I love it. Come on. First time someone tells them to quit, they're gonna deal with me too. Or <laughs> won't <I'll> tell you. <laughs> Unless it's their parent, then that, that over that wins. <laughs> so this morning I do that big long introduction. I want to do that big long introduction to say this. And this is what was so cool off of say so cool. It's like it's such an inadequate word. Like with the songs that Logan was led to lead us in, and then with what Dr. Brian prayed just a few moments ago about increasing our hunger for the Lord. And I felt like I heard really clear this week, let's, let's talk about hunger. Because that's what a revival family is. It's a company of people that's hungry for the Lord. Hungry for revival, hungry for an outpouring of the Spirit, hungry not just to grow a church, but hungry to transform a city or a region, right? Yes. <laughs> so, so hunger and thirst, hunger and thirst are Markle, markles, I don't know what that is, that's, the, that's, the, that's Princess Harry's wife, right? <laughs> I don't know where that came from. We were at Kroger yesterday and we were eyeballing the gossip magazines as we're waiting for them to check us out, but... Hunger and thirst are markers of a revival family. Understand what a marker is? It's it's like what describes it. It's like what's your church about? Well, we're just a bunch of hungry and thirsty people. What's your demographics? I don't know. We got young people. We got old people. We got middle people. We got short people. We got tall people. We got skinny people. We got, people, we got chubby people. But all of us are hungry and thirsty. And if you think you're chubby, I wasn't talking about you. I was talking about the person next to you. <laughs> <laughs> you two are going to get in trouble. Matthew 5 4. Uh, this will be where we kind of camp out today, and, and you can just leave it on this verse the rest of, I think, the rest of the service, Logan. Maybe. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Right, come on. Blessed, let me read it again. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. I love this. Blessed, we've taught about this word a lot here in this church. Blessed is those who are fortunate and those who are happy. And and by happy, I mean like happy. (laughs) Not but happy. I'm going to read this quote verbatim. I wrote this. It says, our revival family is blessed simply because we're a company of people who are hungering and thirsting after Jesus. Why did it take a while to start getting this point? I don't know. Maybe because the Lord wanted to see if we were really hungry and thirsty. And now that he's moving, we just steward this. We just steward this and steward this. So when you steward stuff in the kingdom, he sends more, by the way. Those who are hungry means actually hungry. It means to desire strongly. It actually could be translated as blessed are those who are desperate. Blessed are those who are desperate. And most of us in here, we're not in desperate situations. So that's a hard word to understand. And so we need to say, Lord, would you make me desperate for more of you? Would you make me desperate? Rhonda Huey wrote an incredible book on citywide transformation called Desperate for His Presence. If you haven't read it, you should read it. But it's on Amazon for probably a penny. Blessed are those who are desperate and thirsty. By the way, thirst, it means thirsty as well, just like hunger meant hunger. But it also means thirsty, a spiritual desire that only God can meet. So, blessed are those who are desperate. Blessed are those who have a spiritual desire that only God can meet. (laughs) And it also means to desire strongly, and thirst could be, again, translated as desperate. So, look at this. So, blessed are those who are desperate and desperate for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are those who are desperate and desperate. Like, I think if it's in there two times in a row, we probably should pay attention, right? It's like when my mom growing up, say, Michael David, and I'd ignore her. And she'd say, Michael David, like I knew I was in trouble. Or we have this rule with April and I, but that if, if you call and the one doesn't answer the phone, if she calls me and I'm talking to someone or I'm busy and I'm like, I'll call her back in a few minutes. If she calls me immediately back, that means drop what you're doing because it's desperate and you need to take account of what I'm about to say to you. Okay? And so she's saying, that's right. Sometimes it's three times and I get in big trouble. So happy, fortunate, and blessed are those who become desperate for God. And not only become desperate for God, but live in a perpetual desperation for His presence. It says, and thirst for righteousness. Well, what's righteousness? This is really neat. when I was, reading about this this past week. Righteousness, like righteousness, the best way is justification by faith. Like you're made right by the blood of Jesus. Like you understand that, that you can be a really good person. We've said this this is review for most of you, but but you understand that if I'm, Justified, or if I made righteous, it's not because of anything that I have done by myself, but it's actually by receiving and walking in the finished work of Jesus that makes me righteous, right? And so we have no right. There is no man righteous but Christ alone, but because of His blood, He washes us clean and makes us righteous. And, and I have no legal right to stand before God, but because of the righteousness of Christ that's now on my life, I have permission to approach the throne of God, all because of the blood of Jesus. Like we understand, that. But you know, there's two other aspects of righteousness that's actually being talked about in this word. One of these I think we're doing, and the other one I believe we're starting to do. There's moral righteousness. Righteousness of character and conduct in which pleases God. Now, I think God's good, and I think this, I think He's loving. And if you sin, and you fall short. I don't believe he's, I, I don't think he, I mean real careful how to say this because someone will probably correct me. I don't think he's going to be angry and give you a lecture. I think he's going to stand, please come back. So if you've committed to do something, like some of y'all probably have committed to doing fasting before. And you're like, I'm going to fast this week. And you broke it halfway through your first day. Oh, he's so disappointed. No, he's not just pick yourself up by your bootstraps or allow him to do that and start fasting again. Like receive the grace that he has. Because grace isn't only just like, oh, everything's okay. It will empower you to go through. Understand? Okay. So there's righteousness of character and conduct which pleases God. Now, Jesus, all throughout the New Testament, Jesus compares and contrasts pharisaical righteousness versus kingdom Righteousness. He's like, he'll say stuff like, you've heard it said like this, but I say this, right? You've heard it said like this, but I actually say this. See, one, pharisaical righteousness, or we could say a spirit of religion, like dead formalism, which is just disgusting. One was extremely, one was, one, one was an external conformity to rules. By the way, if you're like, I'm going to give my life to Jesus, And I'm going to write a bullet point list. I can do this, 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 and I can do this. But I can't do this, 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 this. By the way, the list always of you can't do is much, much longer when we start writing down stuff. And you're like, well, I can't do this. It's impossible. Well, no kidding, it's impossible. Because they had, I don't, can't remember how many laws there were in the old covenant, but new covenant, it's this. Hear, O Israel, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and all your strength. I think if we would just do that, they would take care of all these other things. So... Those who hunger and thirst, those who become desperate for righteousness, for legal righteousness, legal standing, right standing with God. Those who hunger and thirst or those who are desperate and desperate will be for righteousness, which is moral righteousness, to be transformed from the inside, right? To be transformed, we call it sanctification. And then there's this one. This one that I believe we're starting to do. But this is the one that may ruffle the most feathers. There's social righteousness as well. The law and the prophets teach us that God is concerned with man's liberation from oppression. The the, the law, the Old Testament, the Israelites fled Egypt because they were oppressed. The Lord delivered them. He actually split the sea and destroyed the enemy, right? Right? You go time and time again that that the law and the prophets taught that the Lord is concerned about people not being oppressed. So together with the promotion of civil rights, justice in the courts, integrity in business dealings, in business dealings, and honor in our home and family affairs. So what what do I mean? I mean... There's a movement, there's a social justice movement out there, which I think is a good thing to a degree if it's viewed from a kingdom mindset. Okay, If I just want to go feed someone's belly to feed someone's belly, then it, it's not going to make a hill of beans. But if I feed someone's belly with the intent of giving them an encounter with Jesus or demonstrating, manifesting a love of Jesus, that changes things, right? So as a company of people who are hungering and thirsting after righteousness, there is the social aspect. Well, what does that mean? It means that when someone is poor and oppressed, that if we have the means, we take care of the poor and the oppressed. If someone has a need, we help meet that need, yeah. right? And it would mean that, am I allowed to say it, Lord? It would mean that It would mean that if we say we have a value for human life, it would mean that we have a value for all human life. Which means that I can't, which means that let's just I'll just get it out here and then we'll pick up the pieces in a bit. Which means that I can't stand against abortion and be okay with the death penalty if we believe that someone can come into faith with Jesus Christ right before they die. You understand? So I'm just saying we need to start asking the Lord what he wants to do. Quiet. I believe with all my heart. Yeah. That's why we've got Tatum has got us connected with Forgotten Louisville and September 5th. September 5th, we'll be taking bottles of water and wrapped baked goods to downtown Louisville and she'll give you the directions in her announcement time. For what reason? So that we can be the hands and feet of Jesus and not just meet a physical need, but hopefully meet a spiritual need as well. That's why we have these backpacks laying up here. Why? Because we're going to bless these backpack socks off before we take them to the school this week. All right. Now, satisfied means eat until filled. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. It means that they'll eat until they're filled up. It means filled until satisfaction. it's, It's a picture of being like, it was like Thanksgiving Day. Right, You eat, and you're like, I either won if I didn't put on my elastic stretchy pants. I need to plump, pop my top button up and then lean back and rest, right? Maybe that's just me. Some of y'all are like, I watch my calories, brother. But, <laughs> but here's the deal. It means to eat to such a degree that you have no more hunger. <laughs> it means to become content. It means to feed or to fatten the cattle with green grass which it's the same word by the way uh, satisfied is the same word when it says it means like to feed them green grass which means grass that's pure grass that's good grass has not been tarnished or anything like that and it's actually the same word that's used in mark chapter six when jesus fed the multitudes and he says have them sit down which is a seated revelation we've talked a lot about here it's like be still and know that i'm god or get seated and as i get seated jesus takes what little we can bring him and he multiplies it and spreads it and spreads it, spreads it, spreads it. It's the same word right here. And so here's this picture of if I will hunger and thirst, if I will get desperate and desperate for these, this idea of righteousness, and if I miss it, he's good, he's gracious, I will have my needs met. Well, what do I mean my needs met? I actually think that this is a picture of, I think that this is a picture of Matthew 6, verse 10, which is thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. What do I mean by that? Well, I'm going to tell you. I'm glad you asked. (laughs) When I hunger and thirst... For righteousness, when I get desperate and desperate for righteousness, it means that I will start to see on earth as it is in heaven with my relationship with God, which what do I mean like that? When I get to heaven, what's my relationship with the Lord going to look like? Holy. Holy, holy. That's what it's going to look like. Okay? You're going to be worshiping day and night, night and day. So that's what it's going to look like. That's right standing with God. It's on earth as in heaven. Looks like in my character and conduct. I promise I'm not going to be sinning when I get to heaven. Because he doesn't tolerate it there. On earth as in heaven is social instances. Which would mean... That we start to pray and believe, God, you desire that none shall perish, all shall inherit eternal life. God, you said take care of the widows and take care of the poor. I'm going to take care of the widows and take care of the poor because that's what you would do. God, you said on earth, you said this, by the way, why do we take care of widows and orphans? Because there are no widows and orphans in heaven. There's no widows in heaven because they're all married to the Lamb of God. And there's no orphans in heaven because they're all sons and daughters of God. (laughs) I don't know where that came from, but that's good. I'm glad it's recorded. I'm going to have to write that down. When I start to hunger and thirst for on earth it is in heaven, with those things, I become satisfied. Going out, this is just personal... Stuff here. Me going out and buying stuff and buying stuff and buying stuff will not make me satisfied. Like the newness wears off, right? Teenagers, we have some in our church if going out and sleeping around, sleeping around, sleeping around, sleeping around. You may feel good for a minute. I'm not going to tell you you won't, but you may feel good for a minute, but you will be feeling empty and unsatisfied by the time it's all said and done with. (laughs) You may have to constantly post that, and I do a lot on social media. You may constantly have to post stuff on social media to get people's affirmation and to get likes and comments and actually releases something in your brain that studies have shown. You may feel like you have to do that to feel like you're accepted but I promise you it doesn't matter how much you post, you will never feel satisfied. It doesn't matter. It may be running to the refrigerator and eating until you get sick And, and it doesn't matter how much you eat that eventually you will not feel satisfied because that longing that's in your heart isn't designed for those things that longing that's in your heart is actually for the presence of the Lord in your life so we say this here every need that I ever had it was found in Jesus every need that I ever had it was met in Jesus so whatever that is for you folks I'm telling you he's good his love endures forever and he really really wants you I think he really likes you too If you look at it today, man. You, I mean, just there's a lot of people not satisfied. And I'm not telling you to go after things like I want to give the best for my kid and I want to give the best for my wife, and, but not at the cost of forsaking the presence of the Lord in my life. Do you get it? Okay. Hungering and thirsting. This is the next point. Last week I gave a seven-point sermon. This week's a two-point sermon. <laughs> so it evens out. Hungering and thirsting actually intensifies in revival families. Amen. That's what the Lord's doing. It's like, why are people moving here? I, I think it's, and, and it could be a lot of stuff. <laughs> It's not the worship. It's good, Logan, but it's probably not for the worship. I know it's not for a preaching. We established last week that uh, studies say that you should preach for 25 minutes, and my introductions are typically 25 minutes long. <laughs> so it's like, whatever, I, you know, we're, we're here. I'm going to give you everything I got. <laughs> if you don't like it, you can go down to the church that's dead and get out. But anyway, I don't mean it like that, but I do. So hungering and thirsting intensifies in revival families. I think the Lord's just granting permission for people to be hungry for the Lord. Instead of being like those that have came, Like you don't have to stand out in a crowd at your church and everyone not like you. You can come here and you just blend right in. And then when people come to faith in Jesus, they don't come to faith and get set in religion that's dead. They get, or being set into something that makes them fully alive, which in turn makes them want to give it away. Amen. That's my prayer at least. So hunger and thirsting intensifies. Look at John chapter 4, verses 32 through 34. John 4, 32 through 34. But Jesus, this is Jesus, he said, but Jesus, he said to them, I have food what you do not know about. So they're ministering, and, and Jesus is, you know, he's just doing his stuff. Ministered to woman at the well, woman at the well. And uh, his disciples are like, you probably need a bologna sandwich, buddy, right? <laughs> and he says, I have food that you don't even know about. What's that mean? Well, he tells us. So his disciples were saying to one another, no one brought him anything to eat. <laughs> Didn't didn't he? And Jesus said to him, verse 34, My food is to do the will of him who sent me to accomplish this work. My food is to do the will of him who sent me to do this work. What's that mean? Well, those who hunger and thirst after righteousness, they shall be filled. So here's Jesus that was fully God but fully man, really bankrupted himself of all of his supernatural abilities to come and live as a man. To show us what someone living a perfect relationship with the Father looks like. And he says, My food is to do the will of Him who sent me. Jesus found satisfaction by pursuing righteousness. All right, this will make sense. So food means solid food. Jesus says, My solid food, my meat, is what satisfies. The thing that satisfies me is to do the will, which is the wish, the want, the desire, the purpose of God. Yeah, but what about your bologna sandwich? My food is to do the wish and the will and the purposes of my Father. So what's that mean? It means that those who hunger and thirst after righteousness will be satisfied. So, so, how can he? How, how, what do you mean, Jesus? So am I saying you don't need to eat? No, you need to eat. You need to get your nutrients, all that stuff. I'm saying that the thing that's going to bring you the most satisfaction is to do the will of the Father. Well, what's the will of the Father? He told us in Matthew chapter 6 on earth as it is in heaven. That's the will of the Father. Amen. What is God's will again on earth is in heaven here's here's what I believe as, as God's purposes are accomplished as God's purposes are carried out or his desires are released and we start to run with that we start to see the kingdom come and not only do we start to see the kingdom come like the kingdom is coming and it's here right That's what Jesus announces, by the way. So we start to see the kingdom come and we start to see the kingdom here right now, not for next week or not for next year or not for just when he comes back and returns and comes and gets his bride, but we start to see it happen right here and right now. Why? Because people are hungering and thirsting after him. And I'm just going to say this, like when you... When we start to live this way, say, I'm going to pursue you, God, and I'm going to pursue you, God. I'm going to pursue. And some days it's easier to pursue than others, right? This past week, I just, oh, stuff after stuff after stuff happened. And it was hard to get into that mindset. I'm going to pursue you, Jesus. I'm going to pursue you, Jesus. But I did the best I absolutely could. But I believe that when we actually get a taste, when we get a taste, of his goodness, we'll never settle for anything less. That's Psalm 34a. That's taste and see that the Lord is good. When we get that taste, we'll never settle for anything less, which means this. I will never settle for anything in my life. I may have to pray and I may have to persevere, but I'm not going to settle for anything less than what the standard of heaven has already set. And the Lord gives us permission to go after that. And it's not going after that. It's going after him. And that's a byproduct of that. Taste and see. Isn't that wild, by the way? Like, I think, like, if I'm going to taste, I'm not necessarily going to see something. I'm going to, like, taste and swallow. (laughs) and then recline and then maybe belch or something, except for you can't do that in my car. That's a rule, but anyway. But he says that if I taste those who hunger and thirst, so if I taste that, then I see the manifestation of that in my life. I think we're starting to see the manifestation of his goodness in our company of people. Amen. Taste and see good because I think when you taste and see you'll, you'll never settle for I promise you'll never settle for dead formal religious activities again That's right. you won't stand up sit down stuff's good but well. You're never, you will never settle for just coming to church again I need to come and get fed. Like, I get that. But I come to be equipped so that I could go and live this thing out out there. Yes. Yeah. Yes. You'll never settle for your friends and your family. You'll never, ever settle for them being lost anymore. Right. Which means yes. that you'll go and do this. You will, I'm not saying, don't go. Uh-uh, I'm lecturing. I'm telling you, go. Get alone with God said, God, I am desperate for you to lead them unto your kingdom. I'm desperate for you to send your provenient grace and begin to woo them to you. Would you begin to move? And you'll never settle. "Ah, It must be God's will for my kids to die and go to hell. No, that's crazy. You'll never settle again for the enemy winning. And he's already lost. And the only reason why he wins is because we say he can win by given permission and authority. But anyway, you'll never settle. You'll say, God, I don't believe that this is in heaven, this situation, and so I'm asking heaven to invade this situation. And actually, this situation, God, is already in heaven (laughs) because Jesus is already, and He lives inside of me. My situation is in Christ because I am in Christ. And if my situation is in Christ because I'm in Christ, my situation is going to bow to the feet of Christ. And just keep boom, contending and contending and contending. What if it takes six months? Praise God, hallelujah. What if it takes six seconds? Praise God, hallelujah. I'm saying i will hunger and thirst after him with everything that I have. And I will burn bright for Jesus and I'm gonna burn hard. And what if you burn out, buddy? If it's not your fuel, you're not gonna run out, I can assure you that. Mm. And if you never settle, he's going to continue to satisfy. It's like some of us in here, some of y'all in here, you have like some really cruddy stuff going on in your life, if I can be honest. You have some really just ugh, going on. I'm not going to say that they have more problems than a three-legged runover dog because you laugh at me every time. <laughs> but anyway, I did say it. But some of y'all have a lot of stuff going on. We all have stuff. But the difference is this, is that stuff is beginning to no longer eat your lunch because we're beginning to pursue Jesus to such a degree. It's like, it's Jesus, I don't know what's going on. There's a storm going all around me, but I've got this peace that goes beyond all understanding within my heart because I am pursuing you even when things are good, right? Yes. That's what's going on. Why don't you come on up here, buddy? I think we're good. I, well, I think I'm good. So this is what I'd like to pray for today. <laughs> is uh, I want to pray for increased hunger and thirst for the Lord. Yes. And I want to pray. I want to pray. I say I want to. I feel like I'm supposed to pray. I want to pray that the hunger... Never decreases, but it actually just perpetually increases. Like, I don't ever want to get to the point that says, See, it says, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. It doesn't say, Blessed are those who accomplished righteousness and they'll live forever satisfied. It says, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, they will be satisfied. That's why sometimes we feel satisfied, and then stuff starts to happen, and we stop pursuing Him. We're like, well, what's going on? I feel this emptiness. We've stopped pursuing Him. And I just think the Lord wants to give permission to just continue to pursue Him. Okay?